Listeners, start your engines. Episode 41, Rob here. On this episode, we're continuing our trek through the New York City sewer system with Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Donatello. That's right, we're talking the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all six theatrically released movies, and we're on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze from 1991. On this episode, I am joined by Jeff Johnson and Kevin Smith from Sons and Shadows cast. We had a blast digging into this ridiculously fun and cheesy movie very much a product of its time which we'll get into but as always you can find more episodes of this show on apple Podcasts, spotify good pods and other podcatchers as well as crookedtable.com please leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode for now let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then get into our conversation about teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 the secret of the ooze New York, a city where 8 million can scarf down their slices in safety, knowing that when pizza is close by, help, help is never far away. <laughs> Any luck finding a new place to live yet? Well, you know, in this market, it's actually very difficult to find good subterranean housing. <laughs> You'd think even an idiot could find a place down here. But no! Wow! And I thought all the really good dungeons were in Europe. The past returns, my son. Ah. Hey, guys, look! That's the canister that had the ooze. That transformed us all. Yes. Well, you're the last one, aren't you? Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we are moving forward with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mega series, looking at 1991's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. And I am honored to welcome to the show both of the co-hosts from the Suns and Shadows cast, Jeff Johnson and Kevin Smith. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. So guys, tell, uh, I guess, each of you introduce yourselves and uh, tell people a little bit about your show and everything you've got. Go for it, Kev. Uh, well, I am not that Kevin Smith. I'm just another Kev. Uh, mm-hmm. And we primarily focus on, what would you say, forgotten genre TV shows? Yep, forgotten and canceled genre TV shows. We like sci-fi, horror, you know, all the good stuff. Yeah, we don't like it when they get forgotten. And so we like most of the stuff we put out there, like 90% of our show has been really great. <laughs> then there was that one series that we hated. All of us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which one was that? Just out of curiosity now. That was War of the Worlds. Yeah. We thought yeah. it was the UK office, but no, it was War of the Worlds. That, that kind of broke us. 
Yeah, that was a particular bad for us. I mean, our memories ruined us on that one. Rose tinted glasses, that was not it for that one. Completely. I feel like some shows are better off forgotten, I guess. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> we didn't even finish it. We didn't even do the second season on it. It's like the the pet cemetery thing. Sometimes dead is better, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. They tried, bless them. They tried. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So before we get to Secret of the Ooze, guys, what is your history with these uh, with these characters? I'm assuming we all jumped aboard the turtle train with the 1980s animated series. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I'm an admitted turtle whore. Love them. My uh, my buddy actually let me read once just one time his copy of ninja turtles number one and it was beautiful but it shocked me as a kid that there was no color and it was nothing like the cartoon (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) this this is kind of grim pretty bleak i think i think a lot of people that don't know about the source material a lot of which is most of the fan base i'd say at this point uh is just knows them from the shows the the 87 the 2003 the 2012 the 2016. I don't know. There's like 700 versions of these characters now, and they're yeah. they're all variations of watered down from that original source material. If they ever make a true adaption of the source material, that is what will really bring an audience. I think. Yeah, it'll never happen, but uh, I can hope. I can dream. Isn't that well, what they I, tried to do in 2000? What was it? 2003. Oh, with the animated the 2003 animated series. Uh, yeah, it's closer. It definitely has more of like an anime style to it, and uh, it, I, yeah, I think it's it's definitely closer oh, in one. line to it than than the eighty seven one is. I would argue that, I and mean, people have heard this already. I would argue the nineteen ninety movie is probably the one of the closest we've gotten in in trying to split the difference between the comics and the animated series. It sort of has the the grimness of the comics, but like then the sensibility of the show with all the all the pizza references and all the like you know pop culture jokes and things like that uh, would you guys agree what were your thoughts on the 1990 movie that preceded this one i completely agree with your assessment yeah the the first movie they hit the nail right on the head like you didn't care not knowing the source material that it wasn't exactly like the cartoon just because it was so damn exciting and good well that's funny i I didn't even know about the source material until like years after the fact. I just, I got with the show when it was in, when I was in junior high, that was my experience with it. So when the movies happened, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty damn good. Yeah. It was a, it was a phenomenon, uh, the likes of which I feel like today's fans don't even realize like these guys were everywhere. We mentioned briefly on the previous episode about the, uh, the coming out of their shells tour that they did. (laughs) I mean, even after this initial run of movies, they had the next mutation show that I think I tried to watch like part of an episode one time and just couldn't make it through. Speaking of shows that are better off forgotten. Um, You're not missing anything with that one. I'm telling you. I, don't I, even I was just, it was just like, I got to see what this is. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. No, thanks. Yeah. That was one with <laughs> Venus, right? Yes. Yeah. Nope. That's right. Yeah. I, I saw a picture of it. And that was about as close as I got yeah, to watching it. That's all you, that's <laughs> that's all I did. Yeah. It continued the downward trajectory of the franchise, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this one, obviously the first one came out, uh, nailed the tone, like like we've already said. Uh, 
it's dark in the right ways, but also accessible to kids in the right ways. Uh, and then there were immediately, obviously, like, all right, sequel, let's do it, go for it. And then less than a year later, Terminator, uh, Terminator. See, I see one of the <laughs> same year yeah. too. I keep wanting to say Terminator Two. Terminator Two came out and blew away the turtles. Um, speaking. Um, <laughs> you guys also did a lot of coverage of Terminator, so I think that's why my my brain is all jumbled together. Uh, yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two, which is a mouthful. Uh, Secret of the Ooze came out less than a year later, directed by Michael Pressman, who actually has a cameo in here as April's boss, the news manager in that one scene. Uh, yeah. Nearly doubled the budget of the original movie uh, and did uh, $78 million at the box office. So, like, you know, did well. Definitely saw a return on investment. Definitely a giant step down from the original financially. Uh, same screenwriter. And uh, obviously, this one was in memory of Jim Henson, which we did a Muppet mega series last year. So it's it's fun to be back in the a Jim Henson related project. Did you guys? What was your reaction when you when you saw this movie? Did you think did this feel like a step down from the original in the way that it was culturally? Go ahead, Jeff. Um, I do feel it was a little bit of a step down. It still felt like it was still in the same vein as the first one, but there was a lot missing between the two. I mean, we don't get Casey Jones. Um. You know, it just feels like something's perpetually missing. It's a good, like, revenge sort of style flick, which is kind of a product of its time at that era. Like, that that's the deal. Like, you got the first villain from the first movie, and, oh, hey, he ain't dead. He's back. I mean, you can't really ever kill off some of these characters, but for his cultural reference, they certainly tried to keep it alive. They tried to keep it as cool as ice, if you catch my drift. <laughs> oh, you know, I... I want to say this is one of the first times that I ever watched something and I expected to love it a hundred percent the same way that I loved the first movie. Right. And I, and I did love it quite a bit. I still love this movie, but deep down inside, I knew it wasn't a hundred percent. Like I, yeah. there was something missing. And, and I think we, it wasn't really until I was older. It's like, well, they're not using their weapons at all. Yep. Period. And, yeah. And it's, yeah. everything is just completely, completely watered down and come to find out that was the production company. Like they had no faith in the IP lasting more than a year. So that's why that, uh, that sequel came out like an Irish twin. It was, it was just bang right there. And they thought that they would just, it, they needed to get the money now or they wasn't going to get it at all. Well, and the script suffers from it. Absolutely. Yes. Well, they, they pissed off the original cast too. Yeah. And I don't know if they thought nobody would notice the different director or a different April, no Casey Jones, but you kind of noticed it. And yeah, even though Ernie Reyes is, is the baddest dude on the planet in my eyes, Kino is not the most engaging character. Oh my God, that was horrible. And I, I've met Ernie before as a kid. I've seen him fight in person. It's like, He's not a sissy <laughs> at all. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, I do like this, and I can admit it as an adult now. It's like, this is kind of like Ghostbusters 2. You love it because it's turtles, but it's it's not going to compare to the first. Because yeah. a bit of a nostalgia hit almost, Absolutely. too. Like, if you're watching the first one, you might as well just watch the second one. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of where I land on it. Like, 
inferior to the first one. It's kind of grandfathered in because of my love of the first one. But it right. if someone was not did not have the experience with these characters that I had or the love for the first movie that I had, I wouldn't hand them this movie and <laughs> they saw the first one and gauge the reaction. I wouldn't be like, oh, Secret of the Ooze, that's the one you need to check out. They'd be like, what did I just watch? Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Firstly, firstly, because like you guys said, like the there was very much a reaction behind the scenes of toning down the violence. They got Casey Jones out. They put Kino in to sort of I, I stand in as the you know the human ally along with April. Let's um, kidify it. Yes, exactly. Let's kidify it. They've been in the opening sequence, not only with Kino, but then you know I, I mentioned on the episode with the first movie that like there's a lot of the humor from the turtles while they're fighting, but it's it all feels like teenagers trying to entertain themselves like fighting an enemy they know they can beat and so they're just like i'm gonna have fun with this and make it fun make it enjoyable and have a good time while i'm kicking their ass you know and in this one they're like spinning yo-yos around and like the clown thing into like a whole toy store sequence it's it feels way more in line with the animated series and that they're not so concerned with doing actual martial arts as they are just like you know give throwing in one-liners with the um Michelangelo has that line that I remembered as a kid because he was my favorite uh, as, as a child watching these movies. The combat cold cuts when he picks up oh, sausages. Yeah. He, <laughs> which a lot of that is fun. When you're a kid, when you're a grown up, you're like, yeah, okay, I get what you're doing, movie, but like you're not, you, you know, it's a little, it's a little heavy on the jokiness for even right out the gate. You're not yeah. so hip if you have to hit it that hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, some of the dialogue was just so bad in this too. Like I couldn't, I couldn't hack it half the time. I mean, I still got a bunch of enjoyment watching this again, but I don't know. Back at the beginning, like when he's going to deliver pizza, and Kino is just saying, like, you know, he's talking to the girls, and they say, "Dream on," and he's like, "Yeah, but when I do, I'll dream of something a little thinner." And I'm like, "What?" Did I just hear? <laughs> I don't remember that at all. He has a satisfied laugh. He's like, and kind of like pulls away or something. I'm like, okay. yeah, and I'm looking at the girls. I'm like, they're pretty cute. What are you doing, dude? They're like, yeah. no, that doesn't even work as a joke. And, no, and but, the very beginning of the movie, they double down on the pizza gag, and like oh everyone God, in yeah. New York City is eating pizza at the exact same time. I it's kind of like about that. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me like the beginning of Superman 2, like overall, you know, a decent, solid movie. But like the sensibility right out the gate, you're like, this doesn't feel like the first movie. Something's off here. <laughs> yeah. um, it's obviously jokier and campier and, you know, not not directed by Richard Donner, basically. No, but now that I think about it, like Superman 2's intro is pretty much like every Final Destination movie just without blood. Yeah, that's true. Huh. <laughs> it's all a game of mousetrap. <laughs> mouse trap splinter trap oh shit i think well the yeah go ahead go ahead kevin. i was gonna say speaking of which uh kevin eastman and peter laird wanted nothing that that the studio forced into the second movie there they didn't they didn't want shredder to be back um they wanted either baxter stockman with the mousers or they wanted uh the rat king with baxter stockman and the mousers and at the end of that script, Shredder pulls himself out of the trash. And that was going to lead into the third film. And you can't help but to think, golly, that sounds like it would have been kind of fun. Yeah. Like a, a serious type movie would have been really fun, like the first movie. But 
serious. You know what I mean? <laughs> more, more serious, more serious than, attempt. <laughs> yeah, less. Well, it, it's also they're 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 so nervous or like scared or limited by the you know the technology of the time that they they change the name of the company. The the TCRI turns into TGRI because they're trying to avoid the cosmic connection. So you don't even get any hints at any of that other stuff, which you know maybe they could have done in some way down the line. I don't know. It's just it kind of the movie kind of neuters itself and gets so focused on just like Shredder 2.0, essentially, in this. You know, and they really didn't have to go that kind of route by like self-censoring or neutering themselves, like you said. You could have left the Easter eggs in and just left them. That's what they are. They're Easter eggs. They're for people who care about the story or fans of the story have been around for years. That's how you keep your fan base going. It's like, hey, maybe, just maybe, if we make it to film five, we can do something a little more outlandish. Yeah, yeah. Leave it open for it. Yeah, but this is 1991, 1990. Like, they didn't fucking care. Like, you know, <laughs> Power Rangers. Do I really need to, like, say that we couldn't have gone a little more sci fi with this? We're already talking about mutated turtles here. Just saying. No, and that's, I'm so glad that you brought up Power Rangers, which is a sentence no one has said in like 20 years. Uh, I'm sorry. I wish I did not. <laughs> because it, it, it is, it, this movie is, feels so 90s in a, even yeah. in the one, in a, in a way that the movie that came before it doesn't. Uh, like the, the first one has some of the hallmarks. Like you can obviously tell, like the, the music, there's an MC Hammer song at one point playing in the background, yeah. the style yeah. and the aesthetic. There's, but this one you have the, the pizza thing all over the place, like I said in the beginning, which is such a 90s kid culture. The ooze or slime that was everywhere in Ivan Ooze in the Power Rangers movie, in Nickelodeon, and everybody getting slimed. Like that was such a kid thing from the 90s. Obviously, uh, vanilla there. ice, <laughs> vanilla ice in his ninja rap, uh, which is gloriously uh, dated and ridiculous. And uh, one of the more memorable sequences of this movie, for what it's worth. Uh, all of that stuff where they're essentially breakdance fighting in that sequence, yeah. the turtles. What are your, what do you guys thought of that? This is a time capsule of kids culture, 1991. This is so 90s. This, these two movies were like a bridge between the decades. Like the first movie started out as a crime drama and got wackier as it went along. This just stayed wacky and got completely redonkulous by the end. They double down on it, actually. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not that it's not fun, but uh, they um, they added just as much cheese to the movie as they had on all those pizzas. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's also like with the violence and such, this is the, the this is around the same time that parents groups are freaking out because of rap music, because of yeah. Art Simpson, because of all that, you know. Uh, video games are are corrupting our youth. This is like right around the time of all of that. So it makes sense, especially back then, that uh, the studio would be like, oh, 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 we want those parents to spend their money on these Ninja Turtles toys when the movie comes out for their kids. So let's let's take it down, take it down a notch and get rid of Casey Jones, who's arguably the coolest character in the first movie. Like as a kid, I, I loved that character and it always pissed me Maybe. off that, that they took him out for the second one. Yeah, he's sorely missing from this, but like, what would you have him do? Like, try to date April even more? And who would he actually fight? I mean, 
in the first one, the, the turtles barely even fight Shredder. It's Splinter that has the ultimate fight with them anyway. And just, I don't know. Splinter goes home in the middle of this fight. <laughs> yeah, he, he shows up just to rescue him and be like, okay, I'll see y'all back at the lair. <laughs> the turtles even have a line where they're like, oh, it looks like we're on our own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He just took off halfway through. They made well, a and even the ultimate fight in this. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, all, all, I bet. All I was saying was they even showed him, like, like they made a point to show him, like, nod and then start to walk off. Like, my work here is done. Yeah, they got this. <laughs> they'll, they'll be fine. Yeah, what's the point of all that training if I have to do everything myself, is what Splinter was thinking. Yeah, and even the ultimate fight at the very end, the, the turtles don't even do anything. Super Shredder takes, them, takes his own butt out. Yeah, yeah. The, the just fight brings the fear down on top of them, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. The fight choreography in the first one is pretty solid for a yeah. 1990 kids movie. Like, there's actual martial arts happening. Here, it's just more like, oh, let's get these guys to eat these donuts with this, you know, this compound in it. And it's just, it's way more, I don't know, it's it's way more gimmicky. It, way, it feels like an adaptation of the show, is what I'm saying. In a way that the first one felt like a, a real movie that was based on that cartoon. This just feels like, oh, how do we do that? But just with guys in suits instead of cartoons. It's like they watch Legend of Drunken Master and they're like, how can we do this without them being drunk? Make them young. Everyone young is stupid. Just get them pizza and donuts. So we talked about Kino and obviously coming him coming in as uh, the, the Casey Jones replacement. He goes undercover with the Foot Clan and all of that. What do we make of uh, Paige Turco as April O'Neil in comparison, I guess, to Judith Hogue or, or even on, in, her own, you know, in her own right here? I love Paige Turco. She's done some excellent shows that we might end up covering at some point, especially Sean Cassidy's American Gothic, which was on CBS. But I did not love her as April. I actually preferred the actress from the first movie. Kevin? It, in my eyes, Judith Hogue is April O'Neil. Like, yeah. She, when they did the 30th anniversary during quarantine, she spearheaded that like nobody's business. And she had so many like live streams of uh, reviews, recaps, interviews with the people like Elias Keats did come out. Robbie Rist did come out. Ernie Reyes came out. Smoked a doobie. Um, <laughs> that that made my jaw drop like, oh, cool. He is one of the cool kids. I had to text my best friend that used to uh, be in karate with her, Kenpo. I was like, dude, I just saw Ernie Reyes toke up a joint. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, you didn't know that? No, no, I didn't. Bitch. But uh, no, <laughs> no, she, I, I need to find where the, uh, the YouTube page is. They still have all those uh, live streams that they did. So like, if you are a fan of the movie and you missed the 30th anniversary, definitely check that out. Cool. Yeah, she Joda, Judith Hogas seems seems like she's really kind of taking a, a lead on, you know, galvanizing the Turtles fan base and like, you know, I don't know, like really taking ownership on her part in the franchise in, in the last few years in a way that I don't really remember having seen before. Yeah, it's no. great when an actor or actress takes that kind of step and yeah. they really have an appreciation for what they did and for the fans that have supported them. You see that with some other actors and actresses, but like when you see this, just even now these days, it's even more impressive. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, you don't see that from a whole lot of people outside of like, say, Kane Hodder or Robert England. Catherine Mary Stewart, Kelly Marooney. (laughs) They, they own that character. Like they, the director can't tell them what the character would do at that point. Like they, they would have the ultimate say. So it'd be like, actually, I think I would do this, (laughs) but it's, it is nice to see that she spearheaded that. She's very much kind of like Michael Keaton where he was on Conan and he said, I'm Batman. I'm very comfortable yeah. with that. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he said it with, with like great ego, but no ego at the same time. It's like, I'm very, since I'm like very comfortable with that. I am Batman. She's and April. She's the first April that we've had in live action. She, uh, has a lot more to do in the fur in one movie than Paige Turco has in two movies. I would say, uh, she, I don't know. She's a much more active participant in the story in the first movie. And, yeah, and, uh, it makes a makes a greater impact. She feels more. She comes across more as that, like the bold reporter that would be pushing the police chief's buttons than Paige Turco does. She just, I don't know. She plays April maybe a little too nice. If that's a, if that makes sense, uh, that's she's true. Com- she's more comfortable with the turtles, which is which is cool to see. And you know, they're they're all they're tight now. But it's she doesn't have the same ferocity of spirit. She doesn't Lois Lane it in the same way that. You would think April O'Neil would need to be to retain her the position that she she secures at the end of the first movie of like one of the highest paid reporters in the in the city. We see her in her she got her office in this movie like she was promised <laughs> at the end of the first one. Uh, she's a lot more famous. She gets noticed as she's coming in and out of her apartment building, uh, which I think was also feels like something that was put in there for kids to be like, hey, this is April O'Neil now. You got it. Yes. <laughs> the other one's gone. It feels like just like, oh, you're April, April O'Neil. And we're like, hey, that's not the one from the last movie. Like as a kid, it feels like it's there to sort of help that transition. I well, it also felt right. like well, it also felt like Paige Turco was uh applying for a job to be uh Lois Lane at some point with this movie. And I also like to point out she didn't have the greatest chemistry with their turtles. It felt very forced at times. So when you break it down, it feels like there's a great disconnect between her and the turtles. I can see that, and and that's not with any disrespect. This was her no, first no. feature film, I think. And so it's like, how do they put it? Like, Michael Caine was great in The Muppets Christmas Carol because he viewed The Muppets as other actors. Right. I I don't necessarily see that from from Miss Turco. I don't. And I love her, too. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No shade to, to Paige Turco, obviously. It's just yeah. the transition from one movie to the next and the continuity that with, with that character, it feels the, sh- the change is noticeable. That yeah. would have been a no win situation for anybody who was picking pretty up much. that role. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's see. They also had, there's some recasting also with shredder. It's a different actor behind the mask. You barely notice that, uh, because he's covered his face is covered the whole time. Same actor <laughs> doing the voice. Uh, the, the Josh pace is not back as, Raphael, they had different actors doing uh, because he he actually because I saw uh, I was watching an interview with him on YouTube that he was this the actor in the suit on Raphael and also did the voice in Raphael, which is not what they did this time around. Obviously, Corey Feldman no longer back because Donatello. He had a lot of legal trouble at the time. Um, <laughs> Just a little. I would arguably say, though, and this might be a hot take. I kind of feel like Adam Carl. Is feels like a better fit for Donatello because I would agree. Actually, I yeah, he he sounds like what I would imagine Donatello. Donatello is supposed to be the tech guy. He's supposed to be the brains of this operation, like of the four yeah. of them. 
I never got that bribe from Donatello in the first movie whatsoever. <laughs> no. Uh, and yet here he's doing, he's like, you know, 1991 hacking, which is just hitting enter a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> disposed, disposed, disposed. That was so funny. <laughs> this one says active. Ooh. Computer magic. Um, so what do you, you, Kevin, do you agree or you miss Corey Feldman for some reason? Oh, God. You know, I, I am not like the hugest Corey Feldman fan, but I loved him as Donatello and I did miss him at the time. Yeah. But I, I do agree with you. Like it, the, the new actor basically encompassed the character and, and he sounded very comfortable in the role. And, and watching it now as an adult, there's really nothing to complain about at all. Like, right. you're not sitting there like, well, that's not Donatello. That's not my Donatello. He sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like, like you said, like Donnie would sound. So, whereas Feldman was more sarcastic. And yeah. I, that's just the way that they wrote it. But yeah, I, he didn't really say anything that would like make him out to be the genius of the family. Exactly. Whereas in this one, he's bonding with the, you know, Professor, what is it? Professor Perry. Oh, uh, David over, Warner. Over, with oh. David Warner in this. He's, uh, he also even has like a little hint of, a, of an arc where he's having an existential crisis sort of about yeah. the, the ooze and like, oh, I thought we were always, you know, we we're for something special and all that other stuff, which is interesting, <laughs> which they don't explore very much in this movie. But like there's, there's something there, at least for Donatello to, to grapple with for two seconds. Uh, so I feels like it's a little more well-rounded in that way. Was the first one so, and, and this one is too, but the first one's really raft heavy, and I feel like the the balance is is slightly off, you know, with the the four turtles and as far as the story is concerned. Yeah, because it really didn't need his chip on the shoulder this time around. Yeah, exactly. You get a little of that where he runs off and he he does get kidnapped briefly because that's Raphael always like goes does his own thing and then gets in trouble for it and then has to get bailed out later and is like you know, slapped across the wrist for not being a team player, essentially, uh, which is a continuing tre uh, trend in these movies. So. Yeah, especially when you get to TMNT. Absolutely. What was his name in that? Like Night, Night Ranger or some crap like that? Something like that. <laughs> it's something real cheese, but... It, it is. <laughs> yeah, no. No, but it, but it all builds to that Raph and Leo fight in a way, which is, which is cool. That's true. Oh, oh, and TMNT? Oh, yeah. Kind of. I mean, I mean, if I view TMNT, and I think the filmmakers sort of acknowledge it, that it's kind of the unofficial fourth to these yeah. three movies. Uh, you even see at the end uh, of the film, they have like their mantle where there's the scepter from the third movie. There's like Shredder's helmet from the first one or something. There's like different artifacts that are supposed to imply oh. that, hey, this is the fourth movie to those other three. Uh, I thought so they I, just I, like ignored the third. Yeah, Not necessarily yeah. story points, yes, but they had enough tying in in the background and like right. other Easter eggs and like dialogue here and there that they reference it enough to where you pay attention closely. It's there, but they don't overly tell you. Yep, we're directly related. Yeah, it's like a soft reboot, I'd say. I guess. Yeah. If anything. Uh, I also really loved as a kid and now their lair in this movie that they get such a major upgrade to the abandoned subway station, which as a kid, I was like, this is amazing. Loved uh, it. So cool. Like I wanted to go there uh, as a kid. I want They did a theme park. This is what you set up is something like this for turtles. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Like 
outside of the fact that there's probably like sewer rats the size of dogs down there, no, no pun for uh, splinter, but. You uh, just offended half of the people listening now. Sorry, there goes, sorry. Here goes our rat listenership. They're all gone. <laughs> I'm going to go right into the rat king. Speaking of which, uh, slightly off topic, have either of you two played the new video games that just came out for Ninja Turtles this year? I have started to play Shredder's Revenge, but I have to get back to it. Yeah, I have played Shredder's Revenge. Uh, my, I actually played it with my my six-year-old daughter and my wife. We were all playing it together at one point, and uh, no, that it was actually did beat it the story mode at one point, and that was a it's a lot of fun. It's you know I obviously as a fan of these movies grew up with the the Nintendo game and then the arcade. Yeah, the arcade game on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, and so I was all about, you know, the Shredder's Revenge kind of doing its, you know, uh, a new version of that with the same aesthetic. So uh, that's, yeah, definitely highly recommend it to people listening. I to knew that. we loved you for a reason. <laughs> Do you guys need to get the anniversary collection too? Because I have that, but I haven't started it up. I want yeah, to say I started playing part two. Two or three, because I've been trying to find three, the original. Uh, I found it once for like 25 bucks, and I just didn't have it at the time. Because I, okay. the fir- I have the first two, the original cartridges. Yeah. But no, nice. I uh, definitely check those out if you love the old ones. Like Turtles in Time, they rebooted it or remastered it for the PS3. And then for whatever reason, Ubisoft lost <laughs> rights, and they took it off the PSN. But it was hmm. it was a glorious remaster of, of Turtles in Time. Like it played the same, but a little bit smoother. Yeah, and the the graphics were were updated. Um, whereas with this this one, it's not. It looks just like the original time you played it. Uh, and Shredder's Revenge, like you guys have already seen, looks like they made it to look like it was in sixteen bit. And the score, the the like the music is kind of loaded with bangers. Like I even sometimes when I'm writing, I just put that on in the background. Because it's so much fun and it captures that spirit of the original games and and the the animated series and all that. That That's update true. to the theme song they did, I I put it on my Spotify list. Like yeah. the, dr- the drums, yeah, are pretty goddamn rad. And then uh, E Rock, I don't know if you guys listen to them or not. They do uh, metal covers of different shows, and they did Ninja Turtles and they threw Ninja Rap in there in the middle of it, and it, it was like a metal version of Ninja Rap was. A lot cooler than I expected it to be. Yeah. You need to send me a link to that, Kevin. <laughs> no, I will. It's, it's cool. I um, think you did send me a link to that. Like when we were planning this episode, I think you sent me that. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really cool. It's ridiculously <laughs> fun. I, I like, I want to call it something naughty. It's not. It's just, it's a heavy metal version of a cartoon. <laughs> anyway, and then we'll, I f- remembered what I was going to ask you guys when we were talking about the the soundtracks. It, did you guys have either of them? No, I had I none. No. Now I feel lame. I had both of them. <laughs> was it cassette tape or was it CD? Uh, I had the CD to, to part one, and I bought the cassette tape to part two. Aha, nice. Um, and two, like it, it, it wasn't a bad soundtrack per se, but the first CD was like it was a really good album like from start to finish it was pretty damn good the second one not so much it was it was like any other soundtrack at that time where it's like they just threw in songs that they owned at that time that they wanted to get out there Mm. and it didn't make like 
any sense to any part of the movie. Didn't fit with any scenes, anything like that. The first soundtrack, again, if you guys can find it, it's actually not too bad if you like 80s music and early 90s. Yeah. MC well, like, Hammer, High Tech 3, Riff, Spunkadelic. I brought up the, the track listing here. Turtle Power by Partners in Crime, of course. That's right. That is a legitimate jam. Damn. I have no it's shame. Nice. 9.95. At least they worked that into the script. They did. <laughs> <laughs> they did. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> that was some producer's son or some shit. <laughs> I do love the score music in both of these movies, too, by the way. John Dupree, who does, did the, yeah. the score for the first two films. Really solid. Like, And those are both on Spotify and like really nice. Like I think they re-released it like in the last couple of years or something. Uh, so it's, it's, those are definitely worth checking out for people that, that are into film scores like I am. Uh, but we haven't even talked about Toka and Razar yet, which I'm kind of shocked about. Oh, uh, let's do it. <laughs> so Toka and Razar, clearly, you know, they wanted to do Bebop and Rocksteady. Eastman and Laird were like, please don't. Those guys suck. So they were like, okay, what about two different animals that are essentially <laughs> the same role in this movie? Oh, God. Uh, which, you know, not only are they just Bebop and Rocksteady stand-ins, they're they have the the minds of infants, so you get a lot of like uh, Frank Welker doing variations on baby speak as two different <laughs> animals: one high pitched, <laughs> one like deep throated. Oh. And uh, you know, Frank Welker, no no shade to him, legendary voice actor, obviously. But and that's what you paid him to do. Like, exactly. are you kidding me? Uh, and there's there's a, obviously you know uh, precedent for uh, I think. Shredder says at one point, like, oh, the next time we face off, it'll be freak against freak. Like, that's a good idea. Uh, but the execution is just such a misfire. Uh, Toka and Razar, uh, are, we, are, we, are we fans of these two? No. No. No, never was. That was the part where I was kind of like, fuck am I looking at here? <laughs> I got to admit, cool designs. I really liked what they were doing. But like the complete characterization, all I could think of when I was rewatching this was you might as well have just done Bebop and Rocksteady. Right. Exactly. I mean, yes. and not for nothing, but all after all that, if you're going to do two different animals, why is one of them still a turtle? Like why yeah. not anything else? We have four of those already. You just do an uglier turtle so that one of them can, can point out how he's an ugly version of a turtle. Like, I don't understand the point there. I love were, they, turtles. were they trying to make him? Yeah. Like, like Slash or something like that because Slash was cool when he came out and he had the spikes on the back of his, his shell. Um, and then he had Shredder's little uh, hand knives thing. Which, did you notice Shredder went to use the, the hand blades on the mm -hmm. lady that he takes hostage but they weren't really there at all? So he's like putting his fist on the side of her head. It's like... But, there's no, but he didn't have the blades on? I, mean, I missed that. Yeah, like there's... It's, it's on his forearm, sure, but not where he's, yeah. there's no on way he could have yeah. hurt her. <laughs> like, are you going to like rub out a, a migraine for her or some shit? <laughs> what are we doing here? That feels like another studio note that's like too violent. Yeah. Remove that. The, the wrist blades come off. Cannot have it near a head. Yeah, exactly. They made that yeah. final fight scene look like something that should have been like Universal Studios stunt show or whatever. Shredder or like a ride. Yes, like it was they like two shredder, shredder. Like 
falls over the fucker. Yes. It, it was really cheesy. And, and I think that's what I'm just going to end up calling this as cheesy as pizza because it is a bad movie. If, if you look at it, it's not a good movie, but it it's is a cheese fest. Yeah. It's something we grew up with and it's anything is better than the third movie is really what it comes down to. Yeah, you like, know what? Cheese is cheese is delicious. So yeah. I, I I can use some cheese every once in a while. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and oh. then crap always tastes like crap. So I don't know what the fuck they were thinking <laughs> with the third film, like all oh. the way from like April's perm that they gave her instead. Oh God! <laughs> the kimono she had to wear, which wasn't bad. Um, and then what was it? Uh, oh, the the designs for the the costumes they were all downgraded. Like they yeah. upgraded oh from one to two and then downgraded from two to three. And from the, three the turtles to themselves the... are horrific in, in the third one. Like it, yeah. it's terrible. It, it is such a, it, they just, I, I don't even know. Someone would pass the QC process, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one had almost double the budget of the first one. The third one, they were just like, all right, what did we have? What, what money do we have left over? Let's just scrape some of this together and. Well, we got three mil. Okay, um, let's get to work. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's and I don't, horrible. I don't think they fun. needed to do that because I feel like the, no. the fan base was still there at that point. I don't know what what happened. Uh, we already mentioned Shredder, how he miraculously lives. I love that he's he's angrier and he's got a sharper outfit. He's like he's uh, you know he's he's his outfit not sharper fashion wise. Sharper, like literally everything is pointier than it was in the first movie. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you have the classic out for revenge thing. I like the follow up from the first one where the foot is not didn't disappear. It's just only sprained. It's not broken in his absence. Yeah. The foot. It just uh, so I, I like that 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 kind of continue, continues that thread. And then, of course, we get Super Shredder at the end, which was the toy that all of us were like, oh, where's that? You know, I at least I was hunting for that Super Shredder toy because that design was. Who didn't? It was yeah. freaking killer. I'll admit, I, I wanted it. I, I never got it, but I looked. I looked right. pretty yeah. hard. I did have Slash, though, which is probably why I like him so much. Nice. Or Shellhead. They could have done a fucking uh, movie with Shellhead. Robocop was not so hard years prior. There's a bunch of villains in it. This, this franchise has, except for TMNT, it's gotten it's stuck in this single villain rut that like the Superman movies have gotten into where he only right. faces off with Lex Luthor and that's the only villain that I feel like filmmakers have ever heard of for, for Superman yeah. or Zod. Zod is like you know, <laughs> the second it's, it, it's, they, they, it's like three, there's so many other rogues they could hit up especially yeah, in Turtles Turtles and Shredder and that's and that's all they they're uh, committed to um, so we'll we'll see uh we, at the very end, I love how they finally remember that these characters are turtles. And so they're like, what are we doing standing here on this dock? We're turtles. And they jump in the water. <laughs> they're like, yeah, dumbass, you're turtle. <laughs> you haven't been like acknowledging that. Like, because in the first one, there's all these moments where they use it in their combat. They they duck in the yeah. shells. They they spin around on the ground. Here, they the closest they get is doing is dancing, spinning on their on their shells and stuff. It's the closest they do to any of that uh, in this movie. So I like that that finally. Uh, is what saves them is that they re remember that they're turtles and they jump in the water. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Splinter makes another funny, and we're off. We're off into the the lobby of the theater at that point. 
Any is there anything about Secret of the Ooze we haven't talked about uh, that you guys wanted to mention before we move on? I just like that uh, Kevin Nash played Super Shredder, but did not actually speak <laughs> a single word as Super Shredder because we had true, you know he had, he would end up going on to do infamous roles like Magic Mike, and uh, what I would say is the Russian in the one good Punisher movie I ever saw. The one good Punisher movie, the Thomas Jane one. Dick, you're a great fight scene. I don't, I, I, yeah, I like, I do remember that. I don't remember a lot about the Thomas Jane Punisher movie, but I do remember that fight scene. Oh, yeah, and he got legit stabbed by accident in that part of that, too. Jeez. Which one, Jane or uh, Nash? Jane. Uh, Nash uh, was uh, stabbed for real. God wow. damn. Well, yeah. bless, bless his heart for the commitment, but <laughs> no, no, spank you. We do, we do also get a Michael Jai White cameo here as one of the foot soldier recruits. Uh, he's in like one scene standing next to Kino when the other guy is like, all right, we need to, to put you through some kind of a test. Like he's standing next to Kino in that scene. So that's cool I to see totally missed that. I, and I would have been like, dude, it's on. I was about <laughs> yeah. to spawn. <laughs> Another black dynamite movie. <laughs> I no. like the first spawn movie. Ah, uh, I like John Leguizamo. <laughs> I haven't seen that thing in like 20 years, so that would be an interesting one to revisit now. Um, God, Spawn. Um, so for either or both of you guys, what would you consider the legacy of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie franchise? I guess let's start with uh, Jeff. Oh, on an overall level, including all six? Including all six. Um, it's definitely still in the, the cultural, uh, zeitgeist, you could say it's not as prominent as it used to be. I don't know if it'll ever get back to that. I mean, like when we were kids in the nineties, this was Batman level. This was super high notch. Everybody was buying toys. The show was killer. The movies were fun. They made money up until the third one. And, (laughs) you know, it does have a legacy. It does have a place in a lot of hearts. So it's definitely worth staying in the consciousness. I just, I'd like to see it back and better. And I actually would prefer it to go back to the source material. So we got something completely different that could re really reinvigorate the franchise. You see, I didn't mind the approach that they took with the cartoon where Shredder and Krang were those primary villains, but you would see a different freak of the week or a different mutant that they would try to enlist somehow. Like there are ways to make them not be like the focal point in an episode or not be the focal point in in a movie, but still have them be there. They just never did that. I don't think that they had any faith in the intelligence of the audience at that point. No shit. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, Which shit, this audience is still here 30 some years later excited about talking about the first two movies still laughing about the third movie and not talking about it at the end of the day but you know winking at each other because you know it's crap we all know it's crap (laughs) but we're all still gonna watch it within the next few days anyway no i'm gonna go watch tmnt (laughs) i mean if i had to pick a preference or the order of the movies that that i think i like them in i would probably go one tmnt Two, Out of the Shadows, uh, the first Michael Bay movie, and then part three. Like, it, part three was just utter poop. 
Boy, do I have a different artist. It was less worth watching to me than Michael Bay. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just, it wasn't good. Well, Jeff, what, I was going to tra transition into the rankings. Kevin already got his out of the way. Jeff, what is your, what is your ranking for the franchise? I will go part one. Then I'll go, um, the fourth one, uh, the 2007 one. Is that correct? And then I would go part two, then part three. And then the Bay films at the end, because I have not actually seen them. I can't actually rank them properly. Ah. <laughs> but um, if it's anything like the Transformers movies, once they hit part two through whatever number they're on, I'm going to keep it at the bottom of the barrel or not ranked at all. That makes sense. I think it's just a matter of getting the elements uh, of this franchise all together on screen in the right medium with the right tone. So I think that like, I don't really know much much about uh, May Mutant Mayhem, the new one that's coming out in August, but it's animated, and 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 hopefully they've learned some of the lessons from these previous the the five movies that preceded it. Uh, I don't I don't know. I, I I'm cautiously optimistic until proven otherwise about that one. What are your what are your guy What are you guys hoping for with Mutant Mayhem? I did not actually know that that was a thing until literally just now. It is the same. So I will have to go take a look and do some research after this. But uh, I would be along the same boats, cautiously optimistic. Hey, you can impress me and do something completely different if it's a good story and you got the characters right and you keep the spirit right. I'm totally game for it. Then I have something for you, both of you. Uh-oh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meets Batman. Dope I've, fucking oh, movie. I've seen that too. It was way cool. Okay, I should probably rank that above the Bay films then and part three. <laughs> and that's true. That's not even a dig. That's just true. <laughs> no, I liked that you movie so that much. Said that. I mean, it's like Baron Vaughn is Donatello, so it's like I'm 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 already like partial. Like, oh, it's Tom Zervo. But uh, no, it's just it it made sense. Cry uh, and Leonardo hooking up because they've got daddy issues and shit. It was just a fun movie. Yeah. And pizza in the back cave. I would double down with that and say Turtles Forever for people who are looking for more Turtles. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I think that's really fun. Is that the 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 show that merged the two? Uh, that is. Yeah. Yep. I, I still need to one. see that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. My my daughter loves that one. Like to to, to you know. To the point of of the fact that these characters work best in animation, and it's not even because they're limited by technology per se. Because nowadays, obviously, the, the two Bay produced films, we we saw what happens when they try mocap and CG on these <laughs> characters, and it's frightening. <laughs> My guest and I for the 2014 episode, which I've already recorded, spent half the episode being like, "These guys are horrific," and we're supposed to root for them. It's like this works more like a horror movie than you know an action <laughs> adventure kind of deal. Uh, those are the ones that my daughter really loves. It's the, the 2007 TMNT and Turtles Forever. And she's seen all but the, uh, but the bays because I showed her the cover of it and she's like, no, no, that, I'm not why. <laughs> not into it. I'm like, yeah, you're probably too young anyway. You're raising her right. Parenting 101. <laughs> I did notice that uh, Mutant Mayhem is uh, directed by Jeff Rowe, who is the co-director and writer of The Mitchells versus The Machines. So, Okay. Give you some. I don't know if either of you guys have seen that, but that's a really that should uh, be a fun one, impressive movie. So hopefully yeah. we'll see. Uh, yeah, 
that's pretty much all I have on this, guys. Tell people where they can find you on social media. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, if you like listening to us, hey, we're at Sons and Shadows on Twitter and Facebook. We're also at sonsandshadows.com. We're on all podcatchers. You can catch us basically wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And we'd love to have some new people check us out. We got some great episodes. We also have a YouTube channel. We got some movie reviews on there. So, and that's just, you got to search for Sons and Shadows cast on YouTube. And that's how you find us. We don't have a custom URL yet. We're working on it. We're six followers away from that. Just six. Yeah, we're 94. All right, somebody get on that. Somebody follow them in the meantime. So so you guys, it's com- confirmed Sons and Shadows cast covering Next Mutation, right? That's that's happening? Uh, uh, we might have to kill you <laughs> if we tell you. Damn it. <laughs> uh, well, again, it probably can't be worse than War of the Worlds. Yeah. I think it's like a right, dozen episodes or something. <laughs> it's something like that. It's not a lot, long commitment or anything. Uh, if you guys covered it, it might give me the strength to give it more than like half an episode. Um, uh, I might need to drink a bottle of Jack Daniels <laughs> for that. I'll have to upgrade my my uh, vape pen of choice. <laughs> now it's going to be the part where you're going to both be like, oh, Rob, I'm sorry. You're cut now. My internet just all of a sudden went haywire. You're breaking up. Big thanks to Jeff Johnson and Kevin Smith from Sons and Shadows cast for coming on to discuss 1991's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. That's a long-ass title, uh, but it's a fun movie, as we said. Very dated, very fun. Go, Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go. Uh, I want to know, what was your introduction to these characters? Was it with this movie? I hope not. <laughs> but what are your thoughts of this on this film? Not exactly something I can hold up as a paragon of cinema, but hey, something I grew up with and give me, you know, cut me a break. Ninja Rap was, was a jam in 1991. You had to be there. Uh, let me know what you think of this movie. Find me on Twitter at Crooked Table. Same handle on Instagram and via email at Robert at CrookedTable.com. We'll be back next episode with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 from uh, 1993, I think. We, I haven't recorded that one yet, but I will have it recorded by the time it goes live next week. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. See you at the next stop, everyone. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.